Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers Post Game Show. I'm Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain. Joining me is Dave Schofield. Brian Davis is out and about, and therefore it's just the two of us, at least right now on this post game podcast, as we talk about the Steelers losing to the Baltimore Ravens, sixteen to fourteen at Acroshore Stadium. It was a brutal game. Dave, welcome to the show. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, that's what's going on. That was. It's one thing. To lose a game to a quality opponent, it's another thing to lose a game to a quality opponent that is really on their heels because of some things going on, and yet you can't take advantage of it. And it's really another thing to lose a game to a quality opponent where you had every opportunity to win it and kept shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, this is a tough one to wrap your head around. And when you think about knee-jerk reaction, I mean, I think you kind of gave yours there. Um, For me, like you said, I mean, in a day where the Steelers don't just shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers and costly issues <clears throat> like the blocked field goal, which we'll talk about, yeah. uh, they, they also cannot stop the run to save their lives. Everyone in that stadium knew they were going to run once Anthony Brown took over as the quarterback, and they just couldn't stop it. And so people want to blame. There is blame to go around in this game, whether you want to talk about the run defense, whether you want to talk about the quarterback play, uh, some will want to talk about officiating. There is plenty, and I mean plenty of blame to go around, and, and we're going to uh, get to all of that. Dave, any, anything else you want to add before we get started with stats? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was that kind of game. We'll get, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to everything eventually. So before we, before we go into the stats, because we always start on offense and we always start on the, with the quarterback, I, I want to make something clear. I want to bring this up with you. You know, I had a couple of people on Twitter reaching out to me about, hey, what do you think this means for Pickett? Because he is now in the NFL's concussion protocol. Uh, and Mike Tomlin was asked in the postgame press conference, hey, why did he come back in the game? Because he did come back in for a series and then left. And he said, well, he started to show symptoms. And Mike Tomlin did say that he's in the protocol and he's being evaluated for a concussion. Before we go on, Chris Wormley with the knee, that was the other injury, okay? Yeah. Before we go any further there's a couple of things that have really screwed me up mentally from a trying to predict what's going on with the NFL's protocol. Two things in particular, one, the concussion, I guess you call it a concussion to pick it earlier this season. Remember after week six in Tampa Bay or at, in, against Tampa Bay, where he doesn't miss any practice time and plays in the game in Miami. 
And then also leading up to that game was Pat Fryermuth when he made the comment to the media about how the previous year he did not have a concussion. They pulled him from the game and kept him out. Uh, and even though he didn't have, so he said, I've only had two, not three. And so we don't, these are things that we don't really know. And so I'm hesitant to slap any type of he'll definitely be out next week or he's definitely in next week. But do you, Dave, do you see where I'm going with this? How there's yep. all this new gray matter being thrust into this concussion protocol? It's just really strange. Being in the protocol does not mean that you definitely have a concussion. Right. And I know you did a whole show yeah. on that. Yeah. Yeah. I really dove into the new updated protocols and everything. I, I learned a lot. Like um, if, if you listen to, it was a couple weeks ago where, uh, where, where uh, on what Ian's talking about, Kyle did an interview with the, with the maker of the documentary from Carlton Hasselrig, and they talked about, you know, giving cognitive tests and what they base it off of. Now, every cognitive test for a player is based off themselves because they give them a baseline test in the preseason before they even play. So you have to have a baseline test in order to be an NFL player. If you're if you're signing and never played before with the team, guess what they're going to do? They're going to give you a baseline cognitive test. So you're always testing against yourself, which is not how it was back in the day. But if the the thing is if you're showing any kind of symptoms and they fear feel that you could show symptoms, you might not show symptoms for several hours. But if they feel that's a possibility, you could not have a concussion and they could hold you out because they can't say that they can't clear you until you go X amount of time without without symptoms. Now, why it's why it's that way in some cases versus the other, that has everything to do with the independent neurologists. Yeah. So th there's a lot of variables here. Uh, and I want to make something very clear about concussions in general, and that is that I mean, for crying out loud, people, this is not a hamstring pull. This is not a groin or an abdomen, which has been the popular injury for the Steelers this year. Like, this is a head injury, uh, you know? And and I said this on Twitter, Dave. You can tell me I, I'm I, I'm off my rocker, but I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to get soft here. But if the NFL is trying to protect quarterbacks, how the picket hit wasn't flagged, and yet Trubisky was with a hit on him in the fourth quarter was flagged is beyond me. The yeah. hit Trubisky in the fourth quarter when he delivered that beautiful pass to Deontay Johnson, that looked as clean as it gets, whereas yeah. Pickett was spun down and slammed on his head. And I'm like, well, wait a second. This is where I, I can understand why defenders get so frustrated because who knows what they're looking at in terms of the officiating. Yeah, and I, I understand that because that, that hit on Pickett was – where he was flung down from the side. I don't know if it has to do because he was scrambling out of the pocket or anything like that. That's a much more vicious hit than whatever Trubisky took. I didn't think that yeah. was that was roughing the passer the one with Trubisky. No, and Wilson Pava gives us four ninety nine. Thank you for the tip, Wilson. He says Mitch Trubisky was the best Baltimore quarterback out there. Let's hope KP eight returns soon. If he played the whole game, I think the Steelers win. Also, how is it not a penalty? But we just talked about that, and you know the the ifs and what ifs. If Kenny Pickett stayed healthy, who knows? But let's evaluate this game by the stats as we always do. And we're going to start off with the quarterbacks, Mitch Trubisky, because Kenny Pickett was zero for one before he left the game, sacked one time, Mitch. Mitch Trubisky was which is really good. He did have one touchdown to Pat Army through three costly interceptions, was sacked once, 73.1 rating. Dave, what did you think Trubisky on this day? Gotcha. Well, you, you cut out there for a little bit. I don't know if that was me or you. I don't know if it was you or me. I'm not sure. 
because did he, you get he, all the sad line? I, 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 I did, and I was looking at it anyway. You just sounded like you were you were telling me to get, have all my seats in the upright position for some reason. You <laughs> sounded like you were coming through on an intercom. I don't know if that was. I don't know if other people heard that or if that was just. I me. don't know. I don't all know. right. Well, who? It, it's the three interceptions. It, it really is. It was the three interceptions, and and the first one. I I don't. I don't know that that one was on Trubisky because I think there should not have been two receivers in that area and the defender from the other one coming off. If they were supposed to both be there, then that's probably more on Trubisky not getting as many reps. So that would be on him. I, I really don't know. Only the Steelers could really answer that question. If they were supposed to have two two receivers that close to the middle of the field coming from opposite directions because it allowed his defender to get in there. The other two were just I, I, I. Um, still don't know why he threw that one to Deontay Johnson when he had the safety help over the top when George Pickens was on the other side going deep with no safety help over the top. Even if you don't complete it to Pickens, which to me, throwing a deep ball, I think you have a better chance of Pickens just coming down with it because that's who he is. If you overthrow him, chances are it's probably just going to fall incomplete. So that one that one was head-scratching. Um, the other one with, with Firemuth, it just – I, I don't know if he just – I mean, it seemed like he stared him down a good bit, uh, and there was four defenders all right there, unless I'm getting them all mixed up. But those – those oh, man, they were super costly, um, especially in a two-point game. So it really does come down to the interceptions. People that want to say, oh, well, if Kenny Pickett plays, we win this. I don't know if what Kenny Pickett would have done in this game. All I know was that he dropped back the pass three times. Two times he took off. The other time he threw it almost into the defender. I don't know that that would have continued the whole game. All he, you know, how we would have settled down and everything else. But uh, it's it's just simply too many unknowns to to know if if they would have what they would have done otherwise. All I know was what they did do didn't get it done. You know, it was after I think the Indianapolis game. I did an article for the website, uh, and it was about. The, the, it was about George Pickens and how once Kenny Pickett came in as the quarterback in the halfway through week four, his targets and all that went up tremendously. And, and you look at the numbers prior to Kenny Pickett being the quarterback, Trubisky just didn't target him as much as he did other receivers. Now Chase Claypool was there and Deontay Johnson, obviously. But the one thing that got me was that Trubisky had success in this game throwing to George Pickens. And yeah. for some reason, and there were times where he was double covered and George Pickens ends with three catches on three targets for 78 yards. And I just, for the life of me, can't realize why they would just stop either dialing up plays to him or he would not trust him to make a play. It wasn't like there was a bad drop. That he's like, I'm not going there again. It just is really strange. But Trubisky, I give him credit. I do give him credit. He came in off the bench. He hadn't gotten first team reps in a really long time. And he comes in and he was making plays. The problem was, is the same problem that we saw with him when he was the starter. Costly mistakes at costly times. And, and this is yeah. something Tomlin talked about after the, after the game in his post-game press conference. He said, you can't turn it over in the red area. And that's exactly what the Steelers did. Go ahead, Dave. And on those drives, he looked so good yeah. until he didn't. That's the thing. You feel, oh, here they go. They're rolling. The and interception. You know, it, it, it. there was hardly any. During the time he threw those three interceptions he had a stretch there I, I it might have been 19 or 20 in there what it ultimately ended up being where Zach Gendry dropped his first pass that he threw I mean just doinked it just dropped it 
every for like 19 or 20 passes, every throw that Mitch Trubisky made was caught. But unfortunately, three of them was to the other team. So he was doing those things until he screwed it up. And that's the thing. How how is it good that you move down the field and then turn it over? Or is it just terrible throws and you're done? I, you know. Either way, it's not good. E- even if you're doing these good things and then turn the ball over, yeah. it, it, it's it's the same outcome. This is one of those situations where um, you're you're looking at Kenny Pickett, and you're looking at a situation where everyone was complaining about how when the field got short, he did they settle for field goals. You know, oh, they're moving the ball, but they're kicking field goals. They need touchdowns. You saw what an aggressive approach might look like and that could have been Kenny Pickett as well if he decides I'm going to try pushing the ball down the field instead of taking the safe play in a game where if the Steelers would have just had field goals they would have had a really good chance to win the football game I'm not here to say that if Kenny Pickett played they would have won or anything like that but yeah. I'm saying from an overall scheme as the fans watch this game you saw what when they get in the red zone if you're trying to fit the ball into really tight windows what could happen and so this is why when Kenny Pickett was told probably at the bye week protect the football mm-hmm. we will kick field goals if we have to but protect the football I want to get this yeah that up here. I, can, can I just say one thing real quick yeah, yeah. I, I want to take it back I kept saying before man they need to have a better touchdown to field goal ratio they need to have a t- better touchdown to field goal ratio but what that really comes down to is touchdown to field goal to turnovers that's true. Because if th- th- that's fine if you're not turning the ball over, but if you're turning the ball over, and in order to get the seven and not the three, all they needed was one of those threes in there today, and 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 it's a different outcome. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's see here. This is from Bernardo Vasquez. What is R twenty seven ninety? I don't even know what that is. Um, Brazilian <laughs> money. <laughs> All right. The defense, the, the defense couldn't stop the run to save their lives, but you should be able to score more than 16. Not throwing red zone picks certainly helps. Absolutely. Not turning it over in the red area definitely mm-hmm. helps. We'll bring Brian Davis in and he's hey. going to talk to you. Hey, Brian, uh, what's, what's your thoughts on the quarterback situation before we move on? Well, you get a guy hurt, and you're exactly right. I listen to everything that uh, the two of you fellas said. You know, this game was for Kenny Pickett. It was designed for him to have to run the ball, protect the ball, keep it out of trouble. I mean, I'm not saying that he would go turnoverless, but I almost feel like it would have been a little bit better than that. When you're throwing those, you know, those three picks, if I'm not mistaken, they were all on first down. So especially the two in the red zone, when they're on first down, that that uh, becomes a problem because you could you could run the ball, you could do different things because um, the game plan was not for Mitch Trubisky in this game. He could have come in and confounded confounded the Ravens, but he was a little bit more of a turnover machine. I'm, yeah, that's I'm, a nice. I'm going to confirm. Dave's looking the first, Dave's the first one up. was on second down. Okay. The second one was on first down, as you said, and the third one was also on first down. So two out of three were on first down, and the other one was on second down, second and eight. Famous man once said, two out of three ain't bad." Okay, <laughs> uh, let's get um, meat whip twenty one gives. I think that's euro two dollar. I don't know. Sure. We're we're global brand now, so congratulations <laughs> to us. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. He said, please, Omar, talking about Khan, draft directly into the trenches. Well, 
The offensive line will be discussed. Absolutely, they will be discussed. Uh, let's talk about the running game. The steel. This was man. This was a head scratcher. As this game ends, you know, you kind of think back to what's being, you know, what's going on. What What are the narratives? What are the storylines? I think one of the storylines is the Steelers just not really giving their running game a chance. And you look at their running. They ran the ball twenty times. You only had sixty five yards rushing. Three point three average. Najee Harris did get a touchdown and a long run of 13 yards, which was by Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett had 16 of that 65. Uh, do you all think that they abandoned the run too early? Dave, we'll start with you. Well, let's just say this. In the first half, the Steelers rushed the ball 14 times for 52 yards. Now, two of them were Kenny Pickett for 16 yards. In the second half, the Steelers rushed six times for 13 yards. Ugh. Six times, 13 yards. So the question is, did they abandon it too soon? Or was it so ineffective that they couldn't? I don't know. I felt like Najee Harris was running the ball well in the first half. and he was Najee Harris had jumps. two carries for one yard in the second half. Yeah, two carries, man. one yard. Yeah. Um, Brian, what did you think about the running game? I feel like I agree with you, Jeff. I feel like Najee was getting some push. He was... He was running strong. He looked like even when he was uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, when they went to him one or two times, it's kind of looked like uh, he was on a mission. It looked like he could control the game more on the ground. So, yeah, I uh, when I brought up that last point about the two out of three, even though I, I said it was three out of three, and the two out of three, you know, they I think if you try to keep them honest and go with the running game and – you might have a little more effectiveness in the red zone because when you're in the touchdown zone like that, you got to get into the touchdown zone. Yeah. This is a game where it never felt like it was out of reach where you had to throw it until the end, obviously when the Steelers drove down the field and, and they ended up finishing that drive with the Pat fire me touchdown catch up until that point. I never felt like the Steelers had to abandon the run. And this wasn't at Buffalo. This wasn't at Philadelphia where the game's getting out of control. And if we have to, if the Steelers are somehow, some way going to find a way to get back into it, they're going to have to throw their way into it. I never felt it was that way. This, the offensive balance wasn't there. And it, it's really mind boggling to me. Uh, Jalen Warren had some nice plays, uh, but again, Najee Harris, not running the ball. Well, not running, getting carries in the second half. Like you said, Dave is just really eye opening, but you know what? Let's, let's go to the receiving core, the pass catchers, and then we'll, we'll add the offensive line at the very end. So the receiving Deontay Johnson was targeted eight times, had six catches, 82 yards, a 13.7 average with a 37 yard long. Good day for DJ. George Pickens had a good day. I already mentioned his numbers, three catches on three targets, 78 yards, 42 yards, uh, was his long Pat Fryermuth continues to be consistent. Three catches, six targets, 33 yards and a touchdown. Steven Sims might've been the shocker of the day. Four catches on four targets for 30 yards, a seven and a half. And then you had like Najee Harris had two, Jalen Warren had two, Connor Hayward, one Gunnar Olszewski had one. Zach Gentry had a big drop, uh, but still Dave, what did you think about the pass catchers in this game? <sighs> I'm just going to say first and foremost, how in the world is George Pickens only getting three passes thrown to him? At this point, he's bringing in everything that you're throwing his way. Even if if you're dropping back as a quarterback and it seems like everybody's covered, then go Pickens. But 
the other question that I have, is it the quarterback or is it the offensive scheme and play calling? I don't know which it is. I really don't. But that guy only getting three targets in the game and yet having it be 78 yards, why, oh, why is is that not – not more than that. I mean, especially when I already talked about on the on the long interception that Pickens had the better matchup, and yet they yet they threw it into double cover Deontay Johnson for an interception that had the safety help over the top. You've got to to, to look at this guy because it, even when he's not open, he's open. I'm not saying that it's always going to work out great. I'm not saying that that couldn't become a recipe for interceptions, but you know what? Not throwing to him, you still had three interceptions. So if you're going to throw some interceptions, get it to your dynamic receiver. Other than that, I will say the pass catchers, they were coming up with some very nice pass catching. Um, <laughs> the Jalen Warren um, getting that one short and, and getting it for a first down. Connor Hayward, man, that was a nice catch on his one target that he had. Uh, you know, Pat, Pat Fairmuth with the touchdown, but it seemed like they were really keying on him as much as anything. So I, I, all in all, I can't say that it was a bad job by the receivers. I just sometimes am kind of scratching my head as to why um, Steven Sims has more targets than George Pickens. Good point. Brian, what were your thoughts on the pass catchers? Well, when the ball was getting to him, I thought they were doing quite fine. So, you know, the fact that uh, there's – I can't really point out – and I'm not looking at the All-22. I don't know what routes these guys are running, but Dave's exactly right. You've got a guy like George Pickens. You throw it to him. You uh, you challenge this team. This team can be challenged, the Ravens. And they did not do that, but when you're the, – the picks were – to me, they were lazy throws, and it was nothing on the on the guys trying to catch them. Yeah, I, I thought that ultimately it was a game where, like Dave said, that th this wasn't on the pass catchers. It, it might have been on the offensive strategy, philosophy, play calling. It might have been on the quarterback throwing the passes, but I don't think this was on the pass catchers. I, I didn't see any. Zach Gentry had that one drop, and Deontay Johnson did what Deontay Johnson does, and he ran backwards and lost <laughs> yardage once. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, I feel like in the grand scheme of things, that's kind of nitpicking. Wilson Pava gives us $1.99. That it's the quarterback who decides where he throws the ball. Yeah, a lot of where the quarterback looks but is determined. There was on key plays snappers. where George Pickens was. I saw him stand on the sidelines. Oh yeah, you know so he, that's, you can't that's blame the quarterback down. for not throwing it to Pickens when they didn't even have him on the field. Correct. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Yeah, and I even one of my daughters we were watching the game. She goes, "Why isn't Pickens in?" And I said, "That's a great question. <laughs> that's a million dollar question." Yeah. All right, let's go to sports. Propologist to give us nine ninety nine. He said the fact Mike Tomlin has fifteen years coaching with no tree should tell you everything. Shannon has uh, Shanahan has one third of the time and already three coaches. He's nothing more of a motivator with a stale voice. And he's talking about Kyle Shanahan and how his coaching tree has definitely grown tremendously. Uh, but yet there are certain facets of Mike Tomlin's tenure that are not arguable. You, you can't argue that Mike Tomlin doesn't have a coaching tree. He doesn't have a coaching trade. That's, is that's, that's a goal, though? I don't know. Like that, is, I, it the, I don't know. is your goal to bring in coordinators that will one day become head coaches? Or do you want someone like a Dick LeBeau that even was a head coach and was a terrible head coach? He was a defensive coordinator. So it might just be yeah. – I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's that, – that I don't think the coach, coaches go out and hire – 
coaches saying, I've got to make a bigger coaching tree. That that means well, I, w- I will say this, you know, you everyone brings up the fact he's a motivator. Mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin is a very good motivator. I don't necessarily feel like every single head coach has to be the play caller or the defensive play caller on the mm-hmm. sidelines. If his job, I know Vince Lombardi once said that he never did anything in games. All his work was done leading up to the game, in-game stuff. He didn't call plays. He didn't call defenses and stuff like that. I know it's a different era and all that stuff. But hey, everyone has a right to criticize whomever they'd like. There's a lot of people that want to criticize Tomlin. That's fine. And he deserves some of the blame here. Everyone wants to criticize the quarterback offensive play calling again. That's fine. That is absolutely fine. But yeah, I I think you missed one. Did I? Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think you missed one here. Did we get this one? No, I didn't. Thank you. Yeah, this one was further back. Evgeny Crosby gave us a dollar ninety nine. Said this is the worst third quarter team I've ever seen. The well, potentially, unless you talk about the third quarter of the season where they went three and one, but you mean third quarter <laughs> of games? Yeah, I can. I, I'm. I mean, ever seen? It depends on how long you've been watching football, um, but. For the Steelers, I don't think I've seen anything like this in the third quarter for a long time. Did did Baltimore score in the third quarter? No, neither team scored in the third quarter. So that was at least a step in the right direction. The defense didn't give up a score, uh, if you want to put it that way. All right, (laughs) we have another 999 tip from Sports Propologist. Thank you very much. He said Mm -hmm. the motivation is the coaches succeed, which is a reflection of your head coach. Dick LeBeau is a rare exception. How many teams would hire Canada or Austin college or pro to be coordinators right now. No, I, I, I don't think anyone here, oh, that's I want to make this. I mean, oh, that's a valid point. I don't think anyone here is suggesting that the tree is great. <laughs> no, it's not. I just don't think the tree you know? is the priority. Nah, yeah. It, yeah. I, I think there's more issues with the roster in, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, and we'll talk about that. But uh, Brian, do you want to chime in on this? Adrian Clem got a job. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, <laughs> Steelers win, yay. Steelers lose, Tomlin goes. You know, we got to fire Tomlin. This is the worst coaching I've ever seen. My friends are texting me that uh, in the middle of the game. You know, gosh, it's tiresome. Yeah. All right, let's get this. A faceless man gives us $16.14. It's a very specific tip, but I like it nonetheless. Thank you very much. Oh, that's the He's, that's the game. That's the yeah. score. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Oh, you didn't catch that? I thought you no, knew that, Jeff. No, I didn't. Yeah. I was just 16, thank 14. you. Thank you for the tip. Either way. Uh, he said, if Kenny can't go next week, should the staff consider starting Mason Rudolph? I've seen enough of Mitch. This is a good question. Yeah, for it is. me. This is a great question. Uh personally. I would say yes. They should consider Mason Rudolph. Dave, what do you think? I consider uh, absolutely. They should consider. I don't know if if that's what they'll do, but you've got to have that discussion. Absolutely, Brian. Why not? You've got the guy there. I mean, you're paying him. Play him. This what this wasn't anything to keep Mitch's job. So yeah. you know, give him a shot. I think the only reason they wouldn't is because what, what are you going to like? What is, what are you getting out of it? You know, and Mitch is at least under contract for next season. Mason is not, but I think you have to have that conversation for sure. Uh, Bernardo gives us another 20 R's, whatever R's are. He said, my <laughs> issue with the wide receivers is that it seems we're normalizing a mediocre standard for Deontay Johnson. He's a reliable number two, making number one money. The contract looked, looks awful at this point. The wide receiver of the future is not being properly developed. 
my first comment on this, and thank you very much for the tip. We do appreciate it. Is he getting wide receiver one money? I I don't know. Like he he did not get an AJ Brown contract. Like he did not get a DK Metcalf type contract, did he? Am I wrong in thinking that? No, he didn't. I mean, what's he making per year, roughly? Um, even if it's a ballpark, I don't need. I mean, was it was it? Well, but see, because it was a two-year extension on his final year is is part of what that is. So, um, let Brian answer the question. I'll get it back to you. <laughs> okay, Brian, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I I don't think that uh, this is a Deontay Johnson problem right here. I know he's he's not playing great. I didn't have a problem with the receivers in this game. The the thing for me with Deontay Johnson is that he is a great wide receiver too. I'd say he is a very, very, very good wide receiver too. And if next year George Pickens can be the wide receiver one, then you will get to see what Deontay Johnson could do at the wide receiver two spot. For some reason, I think it probably was the fact that when he was drafted, everyone said, this guy has route running skills like Antonio Brown. And everyone said, wow, this is the next Antonio Brown. He's not Antonio Brown. He's nothing like Antonio Brown outside of maybe route running. That's it. He doesn't have the hands of Antonio Brown. He doesn't have the ability to break tackles like Antonio Brown did. They're not the same person. Now, I did not see the contract when it came, when it was released and they signed him to that extension. I did not sit there and think, wow, this is such a lucrative deal. It's going to kill the Steelers. They're going to be in cap hell for the next 13 years or whatever. That's exaggeration. But still, I Mm -hmm. thought it was a fair deal for both sides. I can't say that I I think differently now because it's it's nine it's nine point five a year, nine point five a year, over the last two years. Yeah, yeah. It, is that a lot of money? Yes. Is was is it Ben Roethlisberger getting forty million a, in a in a cap year? No. So I mean, I'll be honest with you. When the game's going on, the clock's running, and guys are lined up, and they're getting ready to throw on the ball, I'm not thinking about who's making more money. No. I, I'm just only thinking about who's making plays. Yeah. So it just looks bad in hindsight because people yeah. are wanting that type of production. Yeah. And uh, here we go with uh sports propologist gives us another four ninety nine. He said, LOL. Sorry, Canada just irks me. I didn't say fire Tomlin, my guy. I said, it's time to rid the coordinators. Don't misrepresent my words. Okay. No, it wasn't his words. It was others words. Oh God. Coming okay. through. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we're not saying yet. Yeah, don't <laughs> the coordinators. And I, well, we'll talk about the defense in the second part of the show, but the defense should not be left off the hook. Uh, there's been, in my in my opinion, pretty precipitous drop-off, nonetheless. All right, let's talk about the offensive line. We'll talk about the coordinator briefly, and then we'll get over to the defense. Let's talk about the O-line. Uh, so, Dave, you're our O-line specialist. What were your thoughts on the group today? Um, there wasn't that anything really stood out in in a great way. Dan Moore Jr. got called for another hole, but it was it – was, um, uh, What's the word? I'm not notified. Decline. Thank you. <laughs> That's the word I'm grasping for. Thanks. Yes, it was declined. The the play that got Kenny killed. My goodness, you can't have that kind of miscommunication up the middle where he's lined up between center and guard, and they basically both said, "You got him," while both of them turned the other way. And honestly, if Kenny just goes down on that on that initial hit on that sack then he's still playing. Yeah. It was that he got away and then got hit again. So that was ugly. I'm. I, it's really hard to say, oh, I thought the Steelers' offensive line did a good job because they didn't. When you look at the offensive line that was that was on the 
other side of the field that was coming out when the Steelers were on defense because the offensive line of the Ravens just completely dominated. And they're never on the field at the same time. But if you're going to compare those two units, it was night and day. It was nowhere close. So it's not like the offensive line completely destroyed the game. And every time the quarterback dropped back, he had no time to throw or anything like that. Like was my fear going into the week one. But I'm, I'm, I didn't see anything that stood out to me. It's like, oh, yeah, they did okay. I, I just didn't see that. Brian, what were your thoughts on the offensive line? This game needed to be one in the trenches, and it was one in the trenches by the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. On, on that side of the ball, they were dynamic. On the Steelers' side of the ball, on offense, Kevin Dotson looked lost to me today from what I saw of him. And like you guys said, and the live chat said, that, that was an inexcusable sack. Kenny Pickett, uh, you know, was running for his life at the beginning of this game because, like Dave said, he was being told not to throw interceptions, maybe play for field goals, possibly. Um, but it seemed like he was going to be running for his life for a lot. So I would have expected, uh, uh, like Dave said, we we can't decide and uh, we can't know what would have happened. Kenny would have stayed in there, but. It was just a. It would have just been a, a thing where these guys were going to be rushed and uh, just looking for uh, wide open spaces all day, and they didn't have them. The Ravens were credited with five quarterback hits. They ended up with two sacks of of Steelers quarterbacks. That is, those stats are deceiving, in my opinion. That they, 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 I felt like there was pressure all day on the Steelers, and unfortunately, sometimes it came with just a four man pass rush. That's what defenses want to do when the Steelers defense was at its best. So maybe like 2019, uh, that defense didn't have to blitz. They didn't have to send a lot of extra help. They just rushed their front four and they won. That's what was really depressing for me to watch is because the offensive line had been taking a lot of positive steps all season, really, but especially since the bye week, call it play calling, call it scheme, whatever you want to. I thought this game was a step backwards for the offensive line. Couldn't generate a good a good consistent running game. I think a lot of this comes into the coordinator. We're going to talk about that in a second. But the offensive line, I felt, took a step backwards, and that's no bueno. Dave, did you want to say something? No, I'm just I'm okay. just looking up other things. Right. Okay, let's talk about the coordinator quickly. Uh, Matt Canada, Dave, what do you think about the play calling? Uh, I. I I think it shifted with Mitch in there. I felt like I, it was a little bit more predictable. Um, at times that I thought they were going to run, they're going to run. And, but they came out in the second half. It's funny because I'm still looking at the third quarter stuff. The Steelers had an opportunity to win that third quarter. They really did. And they threw the interception. They, they outgained the, the Ravens in yards and time and plays and first downs and all these other stuff. But then they, but they, but they also outgained them in, in turnovers was, was the problem. So, because the Steelers forced, forced two punts in, in that, time but they came out the first play of the second half and there was a run to Najee Harris for no gain and then it seemed like after that they just didn't really emphasize running the ball much but you know it's like oh the first play of the, of the second half we didn't do what we wanted to do let's completely abandon it but uh like I say the biggest thing is is you got to get your your playmakers you got to make plays for your playmakers Brian what were your thoughts I think Matt Canada spends a lot of time on a script and when things go awry and you have to adjust on the fly, he just cannot do it. I think he panics. And I think we saw that today. 
Yeah, the, the play calling, especially in the second half, I, I actually liked the first half play calling. I thought that it was balanced, and they were using very creative ways of getting people open. And for some reason, second half, it just sometimes, I don't know if they outthink themselves or what, but it's it's just not good. Bernardo gives us another 10 R's and says, Brazil got kicked out of the World Cup. The Steelers lost to the Ravens. I can't seem to catch a break this weekend, but the group therapy always helps. We're glad that you're here for the group therapy session after a Steelers game, win, lose, or draw, no matter what. All right, we're going to take a quick break on the audio side. You're going to hear a word from our sponsors, uh, those on Facebook and YouTube watching live. We'll be right back after this. All right, Steeler fans, welcome back. Second part, talking defense. This is not going to be pretty at times. We'll put it that way. But before we get to the defensive side of the football, Wilson Pava gives us $1.99. Just quote the Canadian anthem, Oh, Canada. I actually really like the Canadian anthem. I don't want to associate the Steelers coordinator with that song. So if we could not do that, that would be great. But the Steelers, they only give up 16 points, but the way they gave it up was rough. And we're going to start off with the rush defense because you have to. The, the Baltimore Ravens rushed for 215 yards. Could have been 220, but Anthony Brown had those kneel downs, and he actually stepped backwards and lost yardage. So he was credited for minus five yards rushing. J.K. Dobbins just activated off IR, 15 carries, 120 yards, one touchdown, a 44-yard long. Gus Edwards, 13 for 66. Tyler Huntley, 9 for 31. And a couple others here or there. It was mainly those three players. They ran it right down the Steelers' throat, and the Steelers could do nothing about it. The leading tackler for the Steelers should tell you everything you need to know. Actually, the top two. You're thinking with a running attack, the way that the Ravens deployed it's going to be Miles Jack, Devin Bush. No. Minka Fitzpatrick, 11 total tackles, six solo. Terrell Edmonds, second, nine total tackles, three solo. That tells you all you need to know about the Steelers' defense and how those blockers were getting to the second level. But, Dave, what were your thoughts on the run defense? I mean, you still look at this game, you're like, well, they only gave up 16 points, you know? But you also didn't get the ball back for your team when you needed to, when the third string quarterback comes in and yet the, I mean, did throwing one pass on the first play from their own one yard line change everything for the Steelers? Or did they see, you know what? Oh, Wang Harbs is just trying to do this because he's going to run it for the next 17 times. And if he does it, this, this one, he'll think he's got to keep us honest. We're not going to let him fool us. Or did they let him fool him? And then because all you had to do was just stop the run. But there were so many times that running backs were running through holes untouched until a safety could make the play. And that's that's not a recipe for a successful football game. Brian, what were your thoughts on the run defense? So I'd like to quote the great Cleveland Indians manager, Lou Brown, when I say, what's up with this Olay BS? Because that's kind of fu- the way I felt. It was like, all right, hey, step aside. I'll step aside. Go ahead through, Mr. Dobbins. Oh, let's not forget you, Mr. Edwards. Come on through. Welcome to the red zone. And that's the way it felt all day. They were a sieve. They cannot control the power run game. And it, it was not a problem the last few weeks. Maybe in the second half of the Atlanta game, you got to, got to see a little bit more of that power run game able to penetrate and they did 
but the, the Steelers did enough at the beginning. This was all game long. The Ravens controlled them in the trenches, and I'm going to say that probably the rest of the show, and the Steelers could do nothing to stop them. And like you guys said, when you have your safeties being your leading tacklers, man, if they're not tackling, it's welcome to the touchdown zone. Exactly. And Tyler W., longtime listener and follower of the program, gave us $5, said, remember when people said that Tyler Linderbaum, who was drafted by the Ravens, their starting center, had short arms? Well, he ate Montrevious, uh, Montrevious Adams' lunch all day, put him on the ground on the last third and three. Uh, I did notice that, and I kind of thought about some of those, the draft reports about Linderbaum coming out of Iowa. Yeah, who was the, who was the guy that changed my mind on him that you had on your Let's Ride? Oh, it was uh, Tony uh, Pauline. Tony Pauline. Yeah, right. he's yeah. the one talking about. It. He's never really. He played terrible anytime he played anyone decent. So I'm like, you know what? Go ahead, and draft. I might say the Steelers don't have anyone decent. Decent. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that, that was the problem. <laughs> uh, uh, that's All funny. All right, so through the air, uh, let's talk about quarterback play. Tyler Huntley finished eight of twelve. Oh my gosh, the Ravens won a game where they threw the ball seventeen times <laughs> for ninety-four yards. Oh yep. You can't make this up. Uh, they were there were two sacks, one by Chris Wormley, one by TJ Watt. Um, no touchdowns thrown. A six point one average. Oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. The quarterback hits. The Steelers were registered four. Uh, what did you all think about the pass defense? Not that it really mattered, but Dave, we'll start with you. It's what you would want it to be in a game like this. Hold them under under a hundred yards and. You know, and not really make it a factor, so that way you can focus more on the run. But it didn't seem like that helped. Brian, there was one play when I when I thought, "Wow, this could be a long day." When Huntley Huntley not Huntley Huntley went back to pass and lofted this ball to an all alone. I think it was Deshaun Jackson. Is he number fifteen? Yeah, yeah, it was it was Jackson. And then, you know, th- then they tried to crack him out of bounds. And, you know, that, that was that was a lob if I've ever seen one. And I'm thinking, OK, you know, eight of 12, it was enough to move the chains here and there and enough to get them in uh, in Justin Tucker's range at at some time. So I'm just going to say not good enough on the Steelers side. It's funny because when I think about this game, when I think about this team, when I think about this roster, I think about how, to me, there's only a few little spots on the offense that need to be kind of short up. The defense, I can, I feel completely opposite. I feel like there are gaping holes on this defense, and they've already spent a lot of money. We all know that, the most expensive defense in the NFL. But I feel like it's the defensive side of the ball that is just has these really huge gaping holes that need to be filled this off season in one way or another, it's not going to be an easy fix uh, for this Steelers team, but you can just see it. You saw the deficiencies in this defense the last two weeks, trying to stop the run. And boy, was it glaring in this game against the Ravens. I was shocked that the Steelers had a chance to win it in the end, to be honest with you, or at least to get the ball back. Uh, but still, it was it was pretty brutal. Tyler W. gives us another $5 that this season, whenever a team is needed to run out a lead, they have beaten the Steelers, Patriots, Browns, Ravens. I'm sensing a pattern. Disgusted. Let me ask you all this question. Which side of the football has been more, I don't think frustrating is the word, is to, the way to put it. I'm going to say, which has been the more disappointing 
side of the football for you so far this season? Dave, we'll start with you. The most disappointing side of the football. Um, it's funny. I've, I have to say I've been disappointed in the defense because that's where the Steelers were supposed to thrive. And even in a game where they only surrender 16 points, you would think that's enough. That's enough. But all you, all the defense had to do was kind of, you know, they played renegade after a missed field goal. And I'm like, what's the point? Um, but they, they did that. And the defense gave up a very time consuming field goal drive and then couldn't stop the run. Once they scored a touchdown, they needed to get the ball back. So the offense isn't helping the defense, but my expectations for the offense were was lower going into the season. And that's why I say that. So I'm not saying that the losses are on the defense. I'm just more disappointed in the defense because I had higher expectations. It's kind of like as a teacher and you're, and you're giving a test in your class and you've got that one student that just crushes everything. And you would really like to see them get 100 on the test. And they and instead they only get a 91. And then you got that other kid that struggles all the time and you know, you know, pull pulling a 75 and he gets an 88. You're really happy for the kid with the 88, but the kid with the 91, you're like, oh man, I really, you know, uh, what what happened on this one? That's kind of the Steelers offensive defense right now with me for the season. Yeah. Brian, what about you? Which side is more disappointing? You know, I get what Dave's saying, especially with the fact that that is one of the highest paid defenses in the game and they're disappointing. But when you look at the other side, I just think you have all the talent in the world with your running back. I I feel like you've got talent at wide receiver. I think you have one of the top five tight ends in the game of football today. And I have no problem saying that. And I'll, I'll argue it. I think he is becoming that guy, but Right now, the offense still isn't doing enough. It just seems to be, I don't even want to use vanilla because I think it's a fine flavor, one of the finest of the flavors, actually. But I I would just say that it is so dull, and it very, it's still very predictable, even when they try not to be. Yeah, to me, it's the defense, and I, I kind of have mentioned that before. You, <laughs> The, the expectations were set when the coach said dominant. That's what he expected. They are far from it. Uh, we didn't have high expectations for the the offense. I thought Dave's analogy as an educator is spot on with the kid that you didn't expect much and they pulled something out. And then the kid that you expected great things from, they don't live up to expectations. There's a different expectation level for both the offense and the defense. But I don't want to let this group off the hook. I almost did. Was going to do final thoughts. <laughs> Let's run out of here. No, How no, 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 no. Special no. teams. No, the no, Steelers no, no. special teams. What were they special? Uh, let's talk about Presley Harvin averaging 37 yards punting. His long was 48 and the best was by far that 17 yard boomer that he had. Boy, that was great. Which Chris led Long- to the Ravens only touchdown. Yeah. It was the first play off of that was a 44 yard run. Two plays up, later. Touchdown. Yeah, two plays later. Touchdown. Chris Boswell has his lone field goal attempt blocked and an extra even two for two on extra points. And Steven Sims, I mean, he had a good return on, he had a kickoff return for 29 yards, but my, my goodness, the kicking game was, was not, was not good. Uh, What are your thoughts on the special teams, Dave? They, they don't deserve a pass here at all. When you're wanting to talk about this two point loss, it, 
to me, it's 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 spread across all areas. And this one, sometimes you get that game where special teams they don't kill you, but they don't help you. They made a big difference here. That that bad punt, the the blocked field goal. I mean, and I'm not saying that's all on Boswell. That's also comes with the blocking up front. Campbell went right up between um, Christian Kuntz and um, and J.C. Hassenauer. Um, is is where he just came through and got up. I don't. People could even question this. Does that have anything to do with Boswell coming back after missing all that time? If the Steelers have Matthew Wright, does he get that ball higher? I don't know. I'm not going that far, but that, I'm I'm sure that's going to be a question that's going to be asked. But uh, it just all in all, the, the the even when it comes to a field goal, so many times you talk about where well, there are three elements. It's not just a kicker. You got the snap and you got the hold. And you know what? You also got eight other guys that have to block too. So it really does come down to the whole unit. The special teams do not get a pass. They they uh, they are just as much at fault to this loss as the other two sides. All right, Brian, what are your thoughts on special teams? Abysmal. Now, I am not going to excuse Presley Harvin's 17-yard punt. That was a disaster, but I am going to throw a little asterisk on it. That was a bad snap, too. It was, too. And but, I, you, I, but you got to overcome. I mean, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't as bad as that Giants punt. Okay, <laughs> I, I saw that. All right. What I was going to say before Dave, yeah, sorry. Dave in, like, <laughs> but you've got to overcome that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it's uh, you know, definitely, it's you cannot, you you have to make up for that, and that's what these guys do. I I thought that Boswell's kick, I thought it was kicked way too low. I was disappointed. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'm not taking Bo- I'm not uh, taking Boswell off of uh, the injured list just like that. Just when the window opens, when you can go one more week with Matthew Wright. Now it's very easy for me to say that right now. But I'm going to go ahead and keep the hot foot in there right now and then make that change next week. I'm glad I have Boz back, and Boz is the better – he's the better kicker, and I know that. But you need to have stellar special teams when you're playing the Baltimore Ravens because everything else is going to be tight in a battle. And I just felt like special teams help continue a – the trifecta of a bad unit, three bad units, one bad team, team loss. Yeah. And it, it was a loss in all phases when you think about it and it was poor effort, poor, I don't know how to question effort. That, that, that was the wrong word. Poor execution at every single level, every single level. And so that's a good way to put a bow on this. Let's do some final thoughts here before we call it a show. Dave, what are your thoughts? Final thoughts on this game. All right. Well, I thought this game, uh, you know how I was hyping this one up ever since the bye week. I was saying, hey, if the Steelers can go three and one in the third quarter of the season, kind of treat this as the standalone game before heading into the last four games, whether it kicked off the last quarter or not, that uh, you make this game relevant. You manage to win this game and you're back into relevancy. And I said it on the preview, I'm pretty sure it was a preview. I do a lot of shows, but I'm pretty sure it was a preview that if the Steelers can't find a way to win this game, especially with no Lamar Jackson, then they don't deserve to be in that discussion. That's just kind of how it goes. Now you could say, my goodness, the Steelers should have won this game. Yeah. If it wasn't for the, you know, take away one of the interceptions, take away the block field goal, take away this, that, that. They had every, there's so many things that just didn't go their way to make them lose this game. That doesn't matter. You, they didn't find a way to do it. This gives us a, 
I just felt different about this team with this game now that it's that, you know, they're, they're not someone that, Ooh, just, just get them there and they could be dangerous. This is a team that really is in their rebuilding phase. You need to look for positive things over the next four games with the expectation of everything that you're doing now is to roll in to make a better 2023. All right, Brian, final thoughts. The Ravens were crappy today. The Steelers were crappier. Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line to it. And, you know, we, we could, we could go ahead and say, well, that's it. It's over. Hey, there's still plenty of reasons to watch the Absolutely. rest of this season. So don't stop now. Just see how this turns out. And even towards the end of that game, Jeff, Dave, I I'm thinking, you know, they could, they can go ahead and find a way to win this game, even with two minutes left. But, I saw where the trenches were were going. I, I saw how they were running the football. J.K. Dobbins, I mean, Gus Edwards, they were both reeling off, uh, you know, big runs. You know, you just knew it wasn't in the cards today. So, you know, another disappointment in a disappointing 2022 that's had not enough high notes. For me, like you and Brian say, like, hey, stay, you know, watch the game. I'm sorry, like, maybe I'm different than most. And this is this, I was this way so long before I started running this website and doing all this, these podcasts and stuff like that. There is no way that I would ever not watch the Steelers. Yeah. I could not do another podcast for the rest of my life, never write another word about the Steelers on a on a publication of any kind for the rest of my life. And if the Steelers are on, I'm going to be watching the game. I just like watching the Steelers play. Yeah. And I'm talking to my children during the game today. And they're like, Oh, this is going to lose. Yeah. I'm still going to watch the games. I'm going to watch the games. Of course I'm going to watch the games. I love watching this team. They, I loved watching them in 2003. The last time they had a losing season because I like watching the games. I was one of the guys that got a free ticket, went to Heinz field for the first time of my, in my life in 2003 because of that six and 10 season. So for me, I'm always going to watch and I'm always going to be invested and I'm always going to want them to win. And that's just the way that I am. And so for me, the people that say I'm done, okay, go be done. That's fine. Come back when the NFL draft rolls around and we'll be here. That's fine. Uh, just don't fault us for putting out the content. Cause there's a lot of people that are like the three of us that don't miss a game, no matter what. And the next one, Steelers go to Carolina next week. That's a one o'clock kickoff. I'm sure that'll be a nationally televised game for sure. I'm joking, <laughs> but we'll be we here. Actually, we actually have a shot to get that one. Cause they moved the, the Ravens and Browns oh, that's to, right to, to Saturday. Saturday. There you go. Yeah. Very good. So we'll be here. We'll be back on the post game show after next week's game. Only a few games left. So let's enjoy them folks. In the meantime, we will see you next week. Take it easy. Everybody else gets a little tight.